Kilra. It's Friday the 16th of August 2019 and welcome to the Week in Tax. I'm Terry Boucher, Taxpert and Director of Boucher Consulting Limited, a tax consultancy helping optimize tax for small businesses, individuals with overseas investments and other professionals. This week, Inland Revenue of the World First, how much of that telecommunications tool expenditure is deductible and how much audit activity is Inland Revenue currently undertaking. This week, Inland Revenue achieved what is thought to be a world first when it released three rulings regarding the treatment of crypto assets provided to employees. Crypto assets, or most common, or more commonly referred to a cryptocurrency, have been around for about 12, 15 years, 12 years or so now, and have generated a lot of heat and excitement, particularly with the dramatic rise in the value of Bitcoin. And they've been around long enough that they've started to enter into mainstream business activities, and questions have been arised arisen quite frequently about what's the tax treatment of cryptocurrencies. So Inland Revenue released a frequently asked questions on the treatment of crypto assets and now it's gone one further with the release of three public rulings which apply from 1st of September setting out its views of the tax law that applies in three specific circumstances set out in these rulings. And this has created a great deal of excitement in the crypto asset world because, as far as can be told, this, the Inland Revenue is the first tax authority to go down that route. And it gives a lot of clarity to the um, treatment, which, as I mentioned earlier, this is unsurprising because it's unsurprising questions have arisen because as businesses have been involved in and the blockchain technology crypto assets have been expanding they're becoming used in different ways and tax issues are popping up all over the time all the time and there's still a lot of work to be done in this tax space but these are these are interesting steps forward so and as i said it excited the crypto asset community and i in fact fielded inquiries from four journalists including one from the u.s on what was the uh, um, implications of this all. So, what the revenue have done is, but the rulings process is it sets out, it comes across certain transactions, says, hey, these transactions are happening. This is our view of the tax treatment. So, it designed these rulings are designed to give clarity of um, understanding to everyone involved in that. And as a, with the expansion of the crypto community, crypto asset community. Um, business as well. And clearly some businesses that are in this field and expanding, for them this is a big step forward because they are using the tool. It, it, it frees up being able to pay or acknowledge what the tax treatment is of payment of salaries to employees in crypto assets will free up cash flow for them so helps expand the business so from a business perspective for those businesses in the crypto asset um, uh, sphere this is very important which is why 
so much one of the reasons that one so much excitement my twitter feed has been um full of um commentary on the matter so what has revenue actually done there are the three rulings um public rulings uh, 19/01 19/02 and 19/03 1901 is the big one because it considers the income tax treatment of crypto assets received by employees as part of their regular, that's a key word, remuneration. And a commentary discusses when crypto assets will be treated as part of an employee's salary and wages and therefore be subject to PAYE, pay as you earn. That's of course for inland revenue is a very important part because if these people are being paid in crypto, it wants to make sure it gets its cut as soon as possible. And then it talks about the implications of crypto assets being subject to PAYE. So, for example, um, this is not such good news for those in there. Does the fact you get paid in crypto, does that affect your student loan repayments? What about KiwiSaver, working for families' entitlements? And then it, provide, it then also explains um, that crypto assets not subject to pay-as-you-earn would be treated as full fringe benefits and subject to FBT. Now, you notice I've referred to crypto assets. Now, the rulings throughout use the term crypto assets to, quote, cover digital assets that use cryptography and blockchain technology to regulate their generation and verify transfers. Um, because there are more, as the rulings go into, there is more to crypto assets than Bitcoin and Ether, although they're the best known and people are thinking of them as terms of a store of value, the um, the ruling makes the point that the, these crypto assets, the field of crypto assets covers Bitcoin, yes, but other um, uh, crypto assets doing different, have different functions. So, very simply, the first binding ruling, the big one you could argue, uh, 19-01, um, says that if you pay in salary or wage, uh, pay someone and it's part of the regular remuneration, then the payments of crypto uh, assets would be subject to pay as well. So as I said, mentioned a minute ago, inland revenue then is getting to clip its ticket on the matter of um, making sure the pay as you earn is collected at that point. Because otherwise, in this particular question, the inland revenue is always concerned about this, is that payments of, or employees receive payments, um, and may not either declare that, accidentally on purpose, or accidentally because they think it's tax paid, and inland revenue misses out on the tax. By putting, by treating the crypto assets, the payment of regular payments of crypto assets as remuneration and bring it into PAOE PAYEJUAN, inland revenue resolves a problem for it of compliance. It also, um, as I mentioned uh, earlier, for the employers, this is something that is extremely useful for them because if they are, as they're expanding and in this space, they're obviously burning a lot of cash, and if they have the ability to play some or all of an employee's remuneration in crypto assets, that actually frees their cash flow. So, as a, a, a 
so business investment. So I would expect that those businesses working in this space will look to make more use of this provision. It probably also, to be fair, it regularizes something that may already be happening. There is just one caveat I have about this position, and that is the implications of the Wages Protection Act, something not covered in the Inland Revenue rulings. The Wages Protection Act 1983 defines, says um, that wages are payable in money, and then defines money as, in relation to any wages, means any New Zealand coin or New Zealand banknotes or combination of both the tender of which in respect of the payment of those wages is legal tender. Now that dates back to 1983 and the world has moved on since then quite considerably. So the question arises on a technical perspective is cryptocurrency money for the purposes of wages? Is there an issue there? Um, I imagine the crypto companies are looking at that but inland revenue, so inland revenue possibly may have got ahead of the game there but it is as I mentioned, dealing with something it's probably in practical terms seeing already. So the basic position is that you pay someone crypto assets, you're up for PAYE on that, assuming it's a regular, um, regular payments. That's a key word I mentioned earlier. One of the rulings, binding ruling 19-02, deals with the question of bonuses being paid in crypto assets. And that makes it clear that it's a PAYE income payment and subject to the pay-as-you-earn rules. Pretty straightforward. Um, no controversy that. The third ruling deals with the question of irregular payments and uh, where maybe not salary part of salary wages and not part of bonuses, but the employer passes crypto assets to an employee. And for example, an initial coin offering, initial exchange offering, security token offering, or token generating event, all of which was happening. This is an amazingly complicated field. Fascinating to work with um, at the time and moving very, very quickly. It really should not be understated that Inland Revenue have done well here to get ahead of the game. And it, these rulings last for three years. They may evolve. Certainly, I expect in three years' time, they'll have another closer look at them again. But the point is they're bringing certainty to an industry which wants some certainty around what it can do in this space. And as I said, in doing so, it's actually freed up investment into that. Now, you may have a view as to whether you think blockchain technology and Bitcoin all the rest are just speculative froth. But the point is, it's real, they're here, and so the tax authorities have to deal with what's happening in the real and now. So praise to Inland Revenue for doing so. But, but just quickly, the crypto assets, which aren't provided as part of salary and wages or as bonus, they, broadly speaking, would generally be treated as a bit of fringe benefit. And um, the market value for that, and say the value of the fringe benefit, will be the value at the time the crypto assets are provided to the employee or using either the employer's own um, market value as it's determined itself when it's selling them or on the open market value. So that's um, a really interesting point. Watch this space. As I said, it got the crypto asset community extremely excited. Um, it is 
putting uh, inland revenue in a world first and um, watch this space we'll see how this develops I'll probably come back to this one moving on inland revenue also released a another determination on the employee use of telecommunication tools and usage plans and employment. This is actually a draft ruling. It's just sending out some rules around this. Now, this is one of these things that happens in the background. What this particular determination is talking about is where employees may use their own telecommunication tools, smartphones uh, generally, in employment, but they also have a private use proportion to them. Um, and this sets out um, a suggested apportionment. It breaks it down into sort of three classes, class A, class B, and the de minimis class. And so class A, um, which covers quite a range of things, um, employers can treat 75% of the amount paid, the bill about, as a means of reimbursement uh, and therefore exempt income of the employee. And then the other 25% is taxable. Um, if the employer, for example, just says pay 75% of the, the bill as an allowance for reimbursement, then the whole bill is paid, is, is exempt. Then Class B, um, where the employee, slightly different set of circumstances, they employ, provide their own phone and they pay for their own plan. Um, the, but, there's a, but they are required to use it. They may, they may also involve an amount this also covers a bit of depreciation allowance. Um, again, 25% of the amount repaid, in this case, 25% paid by reimbursement is exempt income of the employee, but the balance is 75% is taxable, slightly different circumstances. And then the day minimus is if there's a payment of no more than $5 a week, i.e. More, no more than $265 a year as a reimbursement for allowance, then that is exempt income. Um, so that's a draft ruling that they've issued, a draft determination that they've issued um, for commentary. Um, when that feedback on that will that'll probably be passed in later this, this year, but there's feedbacks open until the beginning uh, early September. Now, what is inland revenue been up to in the investigation space? This is always something of interest to, to us as practitioners to just know how busy is inland revenue in this space? What can we expect? It's a useful tool for tax agents because it gets tells them, um, you know, it, it, it reminds clients that, you know, they can't just simply push the envelope thinking that nothing's going on. They've got to be aware that part of the buttressing the whole integrity of the tax system is the question of um, investigations and what's going on. And there's been some debate amongst the tax community, there's sort of mutterings amongst each other that seems to have dropped off a bit. And we wonder how much of that the effect of um, maybe the business transformation. And those whispers appear to have reached the ear of Andrew Bailey, MP, National MP for Hanua. Um, who has fired off a whole series of questions to the Minister of Revenue. And the response, some of those responses were released this week. And they make very interesting reading. And just one, there's a whole heap of them here. Um, but this one in particular caught my eye. How many hours in total, if any, have IRD assigned staff spent on investigations on a monthly basis since September 2017? 
So for the period 1 September 2017 to 30 June 2019, Inland Revenue advised that it, its staff spent a total of 1,096,000 hours, million hours, yeah, 1,096,000 hours on investigations related activities. What was, that's fine, it's a big number. What really catches your eye is the monthly breakdown of that. In September 2017, the number of hours spent on investigations was 67,445. In June 2019, it was 19,421, a quarter of the effort of the previous, the change of what was going on 18 months previously. And that is a bit of a concern, to be honest, across the thing, because if the perception emerges that inland revenue isn't paying attention on this, then people will take more chances. Um, Gresham's law starts to apply in effect. Bad, bad, the bad will drive out the good. So inland revenue and the minister ought to be concerned that this dropped off. It, the explanation offered is, quote, I'm advised inland revenue plan carefully for its business transformation by devoting as many staff as possible to handling customer queries, including some staff who normally undertake investigations activity from the period of April 29 when the new income tax system went live through to June 2019. I'm not sure that if you devise the business transformation, it was wise to have actually relied on its introduction to take key frontline staff off investigation work and put them on um, the phones. They have the skills for that, but you would have thought that inner revenue should have those skills across all the lines, or maybe the business transformation should have been phased in. Anyway, there's a lot more in this space from uh, Andrew Bailey's questions. I'll probably come back to it, and I understand there'll be um, the redoubtable Andrea Black might well have something to say about this. And finally, over the past few weeks, there's been an interesting debate going over, on over on the Stuff website about the progressivity or otherwise of the tax system. I've been watching, obviously, I've been watching this with interest. So next week, I'm going to be joined by journalist and author Max Rushbrook to talk about this and his suggestion for wealth tax to address inequality. So tune in next week for what should be a very interesting session. That's it for the Week in Tax. I'm Terry Boucher, and you can find this podcast on my website, www.boucher.tax, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send me your feedback and tell your friends and clients. Until next time, have a great week. Ka kite anō.